Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have Jason White with me, who is the former CMO of Beats by Dr. Dre and now the CMO of Cura Cannabis Solutions, which is the largest cannabis brand on the West Coast and soon to be the largest cannabis brand in the U.S. Jason, hi, and welcome to the show. Hello, Nadine. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for being on the show. How exciting. Yeah. I mean, you just, (laughs) it's amazing. You just seem to go from one exciting brand to another, and I just, I want to hear all about it. So thank you for joining me. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. I've, I've followed your podcast and, and I, was, I was like, I want to be on CMO Moves. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> oh, that's great. Because I, I think to myself, I want to talk to Jason White. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're coming together with mutual admiration. So thank you. Um, but yeah, what a cool career you've had already. And, and I'm excited to dig into what you're doing now. But before we jump in there, like kind of give us the high level, like you went from an agency to a brand to now this really cool new brand and development. Tell us a little bit about that journey. And then I want to dig into some places along the way. Sure. I think the beginning is not too sexy. You know, I, I, I wanted <laughs> to make Nike ads, but I ended up selling Safeguard soap in a test market in Colorado Springs. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, I started my career at Saatchi and Saatchi and spent about 15 years in advertising Saatchi, then BBDO, and then 10 years at Widening Kennedy. And that was really where I feel like I found my people, I found my niche, and I found my voice. And, you know, spent six of those 10 years in China. And the end of that journey, Beats by Dre was a client and then ended up asking me to come over and be their VP of marketing. So I spent five years over at Beats and went through the Apple acquisition and really helped grow Beats into the the global brand that it is with some amazing people around us. And then took a leap into cannabis and wanted to see if, if everything we did in this crazy developed consumer world could be applied to 
a space that had so much room for creativity and, and also so much room for positivity and social justice. So that's that's kind of where I am now. Wow. Okay. So lots to talk about in there, especially why you took that on, what you've been doing recently. I mean, obviously there's something big happening soon that I, I know you want to share. And uh, social justice, man, that's just two incredible words put together. So uh, we're going to dive in there. But before we do that, I know we were talking a lot earlier about your passion around creativity and storytelling. And you just mentioned you spent a large amount of time in China. Tell me a little bit about what you learned there and how you approached that as a marketplace and a talent pool for creativity and storytelling. Well, you know, I had no knowledge of China when I went to China. I really went to China because I was in love with Widening Kennedy. I wanted to go further, faster. And I had heard that we had just won the business in China. There was a gap in a leadership role there. So I would have taken that job if it was in China, in Turkey, in London, wherever. Like I, I wanted to be a part of the people that were developing the Widen brand. But when I got to China, I just absolutely fell in love with China, fell in love with Shanghai. And what we found was it was a really interesting time because you had a generation of kids that were very different from their parents, right? You had, their parents had seen the cultural revolution and now you have kids with iPhones, right? <laughs> Those are two very different upbringings. And what I found was while this creative community was emerging in Shanghai and China overall, a lot of folks were looking for a place to fit in. And they came to widen and they found that they found this place where you could be yourself. You could have tattoos, you could have crazy ideas. We would support you. And they saw this brand itself, which was widen trying to elevate these other brands, Nike, uh, Tiffany, others in the, in the marketplace, Chrysler, Jeep. So it was a really cool journey for myself personally, but also because we got to, to raise these young, incredible Chinese creative talents and teach them the, the power of the creativity inside of them in, in a country that hadn't really mastered how to do that yet. Wow. Okay. And and so I'm sure you saw a lot of new thinking come from that group, especially as they were really getting going, things we hadn't even thought of in the U.S. yet. you have any examples of that? Well, it's funny, you know, there, there was an amazing progression over sort of the 10 years that I was interacting with with Shanghai and, and China. When, when I first got there, there was a lot of social media platforms, for example, that were basically taking a Twitter, taking a Facebook and kind of doing their own version of it in China. And some would even argue had copied, right? But then what you saw was this incredible evolution of these entrepreneurs taking the concept, but then making it super Chinese, making it super functional for how they live their lives and adding all of these incredible additions and, and functionality that really changed. And I think the best example is WeChat. You know, WeChat has hundreds of millions of users and you can now live your entire life in the WeChat app from getting a taxi, going to dinner, splitting dinner, paying your bills, doing your banking, chatting with your friends, voice chatting, video chatting, texting. Like it, it's just, it's become the largest, most functional platform on the planet. And to be there and watch that evolve and watch how technology and innovation and creativity changed the Chinese landscape was a fascinating journey. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And uh, and I'm sure 
And when was it that you left China now at this point? I left in 2014. I got there for the first time in 2006. Wow. That's amazing. And I had Cynthia Chen on the show uh, several months ago, who is the CEO of General Mills China. And she, she, we called her podcast China Fast because she was saying, Everything happens very, very fast in China. And so I yeah. wonder if you went back, and you probably do go back a lot, but if you went back today, even just in the last four or five years, what you'd think now? Well, I mean, you talk about China fast. I got there. Really, my mission there was to help Nike launch Just Do It in a big way and get ready for the Beijing Olympics, right? So I remember driving through Beijing at one point, and the fa- I think the fact was that Beijing had 30 something percent of all the world's cranes and there was just construction everywhere you see on one drive to the airport. I counted 34 cranes and it was like unbelievable how quickly they were doing it, how quickly they were evolving. And it was 24 seven, just crews building that city to the sky. And that mindset has never changed. Like China is focused on progress. They're focused on moving ahead. And if you go back now, you still see that it's not quite on the same scale of infrastructure at times, but it's certainly in technology platforms, brands, self-expression, like it's still going at just at breakneck speed. Yeah, it sure is. And uh, speaking of progress and always moving ahead, I do have to think about the fact that when we started recording here, you said, I started wanting to work with Nike and I, I wound up selling soap. Uh, and, 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 uh, humble beginnings, <laughs> humble beginnings. <laughs> oh my gosh. You remind me of so many things that I, 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 we don't even have time for it. Just, you make me laugh. Okay. But then now you're talking about Nike again and you were working with them, but from a different perspective, how did you feel about that? I mean, did you want to always just work for Nike within their brand or did, was it just as equally rewarding working with them as an agency partner? I always wanted to make Nike ads. You know, I, I was a 12 year old kid in love with the Michael Jordan world of storytelling and Nike just do it. And so for me, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant I wanted to work at Nike or I wanted to work at an advertising agency. I didn't really have the the concept of all that really until I got to college and understood like, how does that industry actually work? And for me, it, it was always the excitement of the agency side that drew me in. So I, I never felt like I didn't get the Nike experience because I didn't work at Nike. I mean, the, the, it was, it's, you know, the, one of the most important relationships in marketing and, you know, they really, they do a tremendous job of, of being a partner and letting you into their business, to how they think, to their products. So I never felt like I missed out tremendous respect for the folks who, who go in and do it every day at the swoosh. But I also was so proud of being widening Kennedy and so proud of being a part of that family and building that family, especially going into a new market like China together. Yeah. How exciting. So I'm sure you could write a whole book on that. And if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to, and I'd like to read it, please. But let's bring you forward a bit in this journey. So then you went from the agency side to actually owning a brand on the inside with Beats and work with Apple. Uh, How did you transition into that role from an agency partner to a CMO of a brand? It was hard. I went to Beats as, as the vice president of marketing. So I went in kind of as the number two. And I hadn't grown up through brand management. So I had to fake it a lot. You know, I remember not knowing retail and sitting in these meetings trying to figure out fixtures and headers and, you know, all these different end caps. And I was like, what is this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that we had this one late night where 
we got news from our retail team that w- the, the, our partners, like big, big partners, like Best Buy, like really important partners, they, they weren't going to take two different sets of creative from us because we were trying to launch the Power Beats product, but we were also trying to do storytelling around like LeBron and everybody, Serena. So I remember it was a Friday night. It was like eight o'clock at night. And I, we just grabbed our production team, our studio designers, and we just grabbed like a stack of paper and a pen. And it was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Like combine this drawing with that drawing, like make this one image, put this on a header, put this on an end card. Like and we just like sketched out an entire retail toolkit. And, and, and I remember going home that night and I was like, I, I guess I understand retail. <laughs> because <laughs> either way this is going out into the world so <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> oh my god that's awesome i love that uh i spent a lot of time in retail in my former career so that is really funny to hear you talk about that so then you became you went from vp to cmo uh vp to to global head of marketing they didn't have a cmo okay. role but in that role it was really you know you were, we were still running the the end of kind of the multi-year transition from being beats to being beats within Apple, you know, for me, those were, those were really, really special fun years because, um, we were, you know, launching new products. We were telling great stories. We were, there was some interesting things going on in culture at the time. We had everything from launching the wireless category to what was going on with world cup and what was going on in fashion. And I think we had some, some really special moments over those kind of last two, three years. Wow. Yes, you did. I remember them well and seeing you everywhere. There's kind of two favorite pieces that I think we did there. One was that didn't get seen that much, but it was um, how we launched Marcus Mariota into the NFL because it was really special that he decided to go to the NFL draft, but he wanted to draft from his home and his home was in Hawaii. And we went and told a story of, you know, why someone like him wants to draft from home and why his whole community was a part of that NFL draft. But in addition to that, he took the call for the moment when you get the phone call, he took the call on a pair of power beats, you know, and that was for us, that was a big win because it was a, a Bose sponsored draft. And then meanwhile, you <laughs> cut to the number one draft pick and he's taking it on a Beats by Dre headphone. And we were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky. Very well done. <laughs> yeah. And then we got to do this beautiful story. We launched Leon Bridges' track, um, River. And we just told this beautiful, it was almost like a religious feel to how his community was sending him off to the NFL, sending him off to the big leagues and how they would always be with him and always be behind him. It's a really special piece. I'm really, really proud of that. And then Got No Strings was our wireless launch, which was just a fun, fun Pinocchio play. And Straight out of Compton was like social media mayhem, which was just hysterical <laughs> and a great time. Definitely, you guys really set the pace. And going back to what you said before, just making progress, moving forward. And so I hats off to all the things that you accomplished there. So now comes the big question. Why? Why cannabis? Uh, You know, I think about where cannabis was when Thanksgiving Day, I had to tell my parents I was leaving Apple to where it is now. And it's just light years apart. It was a really big deal nine months ago because I loved Apple. I loved Beats and it was going really well, but I I wanted to be a part of something that was really, truly a white space that had 
leaders that I really respected, not that I didn't at Beats, but these these two guys just had a really cool vision that I was going to be a part of. And it was it was almost like getting into Beats earlier than I got into Beats, you know? And the big thing for me was also a chance to write a narrative in the cannabis space and be a part of those writing the narrative that would hopefully drive social change and that would address what has happened in the past in the legacy market and what could happen for the future. So I got my cake and got to eat it too with this incredible brand that was like killing it and and a chance to really give it a voice in a bigger way, but then also address what has happened in this marketplace. So tell me a little bit about that because, I mean, you say social justice against what the legacy market looked like. I think we can all hypothesize that we think we know what that means, but why don't you just Explain it for us. Well, there has been over the last almost 100 years a, a systemic effort to penalize black and brown people. And that has happened through connection to the plant in many different stages, sometimes for fear, sometimes for just racism and punitive reasons. But our goal is to figure out how do we, at this moment in time where this this has been such an exclusionary process, how do we look at the past and how do we rally the industry around making changes that will improve the lives of those that have been so negatively affected? We've got folks still sitting in prison. We've got, I think it's about 180,000, don't have their records expunged. We don't have record vacature, which is true expungement. There's just so many steps in this process that have not been done yet. And there's a ton of great people doing the work and I've had a chance to meet a lot of them over the last month and two months. And it's funny, every time we sit down, rightly so, they look at us and they kind of go, well, well, who are you and what are you doing here? You know, what do you want? And I think it speaks to how difficult the past has been. And what we're trying to do is really prove that we're coming to the table, ready to kind of learn and earn our way into the conversation. And we're trying to move fast because this industry is moving fast and these doors are closing fast and we've got to right the wrongs quickly, but we're really trying to listen. We're trying to do it with the amazing brothers and sisters and folks who are involved in this effort. And we're trying to learn from them. Well, you know, it's, it's the classic building the wings while the plane is in the air, but that's really what we're trying to do. The initiative that we're launching on today, if you're listening to this podcast, is the possible plan. And it's something we're very, very proud of and happy to share the details around that. Yeah, please, please do share because I'm excited to hear what your possible plan is. Well, when I got to Cura and when the the founders of the Select brand shared their mantra, which was everything is possible, we instantly talked about, well, then what's the greatest impossibility in this industry? And that is how folks have been treated in the past and the mass incarceration and everything that has touched this plant and touched this industry. And we thought, well, let's launch the possible plan. Let's let's go try to make the greatest impossibles possible and let's change people's lives. Let's right the wrongs. So it's an initiative that looks at reparatory justice and ideally changing people's lives so that they can get equitable access into this industry if they so choose. But really it's starting with righting the wrongs of those who have been adversely affected by cannabis prohibition. 
Okay. Before we move on to the next topic, is there anything you can share with the audience if they want to be involved, how they could do that? Uh, absolutely. We are, we're launching again, 818. You can go to possibleplan.org and we will happily, happily take your information and we will ask many things of you and, and beg you to join us. <laughs> so um, I would love for people to go there and join this movement. Okay, cool. So, it, you know, we spent a lot of time on CMO Moves talking about marketing and leadership and diversity and inclusion and talent development and culture and purpose and so many things. And we also spend time on how folks can use their role as CMO and really being in marketing and being a marketer to be a force for good. And uh, we just had Brad Haranaga on the show from General Mills. He's the chief brand officer talking about a billion acts of good. And I'm just so happy to hear you share what you're doing to be a purpose-driven brand at this stage in your development cycle as a brand. I mean, because even though you are the largest cannabis brand on the West Coast and soon to be in, in the U.S., I want you to tell me what will make that happen. You're still relatively a smaller brand compared to say like a General Mills and yet you can have as much impact. Right. Well, the, the reason why we will become the largest uh, company in America and cannabis is we have a, a acquisition pending right now with Cureleaf and they are a real powerhouse of wellness on the East Coast. And Obviously, we will be a recreational brand from the West Coast. So um, we're still waiting for that to be approved, but that would make us the largest cannabis company in America in addition to another transaction that they are that they have pending. So with that comes a tremendous responsibility and opportunity. And, and to your point, we are not General Mills or Nike or any of these big folks doing big things, but the, the conversation is so right now and there's such a massive creation of wealth, yet there's still folks sitting in prisons. We got to write that. We've got to correct that. And and that's that's really why we felt so compelled to come into this, why we com were compelled to move quickly, because as all of these states write their legislation to go um, recreational or medicinal, you know, we have to have the right decisions made in that legislation. We have to make sure that we're looking out for folks that have been so brutally affected in the legacy market. Well, first of all, thank you for your efforts and really owning this as a way that you can use the power of your brand to do good in the world in, in an area that is frankly often overlooked. So so thanks for bringing it to the forefront. Uh, absolutely. As you teased, we are recording this. It is August 8th. And by the time we release this podcast, it will be August 19th, which is a little bit over a week away. And that's when you're actually launching the campaign. Is that right? Yeah, we're, we're launching Sunday the 18th. And it's a really special moment for us because the New York Times Magazine is going to be launching an issue called 1619 because August 19th will be 400 years to the day that the first slave ships landed in Africa to begin the slave trade to Jamestown, Virginia. And they're doing an incredible issue around 400 years of contributions of African-Americans in this country, really tracking 1619 to 2019. And in our first conversation, they're like, oh, I don't think cannabis is going to be a part of this. <laughs> 
<laughs> but when they understood what we were doing, they were so supportive. And the New York Times Magazine has been such a great partner in letting us bring our voice to their pages in, in this moment where they're recognizing 400 years of contributions. And now we are basically saying, well, let's look at that past and let's make a couple more changes before we pat ourselves on the back. And I'm just so flattered that they were able to welcome us into their pages for a place for us to launch this conversation. That is wonderful. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have two final questions for you. Yes. Uh, the first one is related to your path. You know, as you went through this path and all the things that you saw and how you continue to build your career, any tips for someone out there who is listening as they think about their own path and maybe perhaps wanting some of the same things you wanted when you started out? Uh, you know, there's there's kind of two things that come to mind. I think one is I believe that there are defining moments in your career. And I think the more you can be self-aware of when you are in that moment and the more you can tell yourself to slow down and recognize it and, and make the bold decision, make the decision at the moment in time where you know this is going to count, this is going to matter. And, you know, for me, it was how I basically – begged Dave Vore at Widening Kennedy to send me to China. You know, I wrote him a letter that said, if I don't tell you this and you don't send me to China, then that's on me. I said, but if I tell you this and then you don't send me to China, that's on you. And I was like, and here's what I want to do in China. And I wrote all these things. And then the end of the letter said, now it's on you. Oh my God. <laughs> And I moved to China a month later. <laughs> you know, um, there are moments where you have to say, like, I'm going to go take this leap and I'm going to say this the way it needs to be said. I'm going to stand by what I believe. And hopefully these people are going to follow me, you know. So that would be that would be one thing. And the other to me would be and I learned this at, at Beats and I learned it from, um, you know, just watching Jimmy Iovine, watching Luke Wood, watching Omar Johnson, like your gut is everything. And the better of a job you can do to strip away all of the layers of being conditioned by society, conditioned by rules, conditioned by what your bosses have told you in the past, if you can get through those layers and get to your gut, and if you can be quiet enough to listen, your gut 10 times out of 10 is telling you the right thing. And you have to be able to find it and listen to it. And when you can really, really hone that skill, you will not make a wrong decision. Wow. Okay. So we need the Jason White template letter to send to your boss when you're ready to make a bold move. <laughs> I think he just outlined it for us. You can just put your initials as your trademark and uh, we'll honor that. that. That's great. And wow, you kind of gave me goosebumps there when you were telling that story. And then trusting your gut. I, I agree. Um, well, I could talk to you all day, Jason, but unfortunately, I have to I have to end this podcast with you now. But um, hopefully uh, now with my final question, I should say. Um, uh, but I do hope we'll be back in touch very, very soon to hear how things are going with you. Uh, so, absolutely. so absolutely. So for the last question, if money or talent were no object, you had those in abundance, more than you could count or hope for, and you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? You know, that that answer for me has never changed. I would be 
holding a guitar, singing in front of 50,000 people. <laughs> you want, well, you want to take a shot at it right now? I can't sing. I can't play the guitar. And, but I really wish I could. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love music. I love the power of music. I loved my time at Beats because I got to see the music before it was done being made and um, learning from people like Jimmy and Luke. And it, it's a, it's just the, the acoustic guitar to me and the stories you can tell with it and the, the emotion you can bring out of people. It is my favorite thing in the world. And I'm just shit at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this dream, you are not. In this dream, you're the best. And maybe one day we'll actually see you walk up on stage with that acoustic guitar and sing your heart out no matter what it sounds like. How about that? <laughs> well, uh, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, Nadine, I had a blast. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.